Hello again listeners and welcome to another episode of the Just Checking In podcast. This podcast as always is brought to you by Vent, a place where everyone, but especially men and boys, can open up about their mental health issues, break down stigmas and start conversations. I'm your host, Freddie Cocker. Each pod, I check in with a very special guest. We have our natter about all things mental health, as well as anything and everything else they are passionate about. If it helps that person with their mental health, we'll discuss it. On to our special guest now, and for this episode of the Just Checking In Pod, I wanted to interview someone quite close to me in my personal life. That person is one of my best mates, Alex Bartlett. Since leaving university, Alex has lived and worked in North London as an accountant for the last couple of years. This will be the first in-depth chat we have about our mental health together, so I was pretty excited, if not a little curious, about what would come out of it. In our social group, we hardly ever refer to Alex by his first name. We've always called him Bartlett, Bart, or Party Bart when he's had a few pints, but for the purposes of this pod, I refer to him by his first name of Alex the entirety. Alex suffered a long-term injury playing football, which has had a big impact on him in the last year and a half. We discussed the mental health impact of that injury, self-development, supporting others with their mental health, and much more. This is how our check-in went. Alex, welcome to the Just Checking In pod, mate. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm right, mate. Um, you are the second out of uh, our social group to do the pod after Dan. That's I think he was like episode three, so this is quite a while after, isn't it? Yeah, we can uh, blame a few issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah coronavirus can... being one of them. Yeah, definitely. How are you at the moment, mate? How is um, how's everything going with you? Like, are you feeling... Are you feeling okay? Or are you feeling decent? I mean, the listeners can't see, but you shaved your head. <laughs> and then let it grow back and now I've got a sporting a quite a patchy beard as well yeah I've uh, gone for the lockdown lockdown look that everyone's gone for yeah it's been all right just obviously I guess weird times adjusting to I hate that I hate the phrase the new norm it's just mm. it's just so like but it, it is I went I went to my work yesterday and um saw people I haven't seen for about four months and I was like oh my god I forgot what it's like to be here mm. but no, it's it's going all right. I think everyone just adapts and just. I guess the first few months was just un- unknowns, uncertainties, but mm. now sort of just getting used to it and just. I mean, you can talk about it as much as you want, but all you've got to do is just kind of crack on with it and just mm. just kind of see what's going on. So yeah. For the purposes of this pod, I'm going to refer to you as Alex, which is like the first time I've done and done so in about ten years. I think it's probably like it's almost as long <laughs> as I've known you. So for the listeners, um. Alex is referred to in our social group as, as Bart because his surname is Bartlett. But for the purpose of this pod to give you your, your own, you know, your, your uniqueness of, of your episode, I'm going to refer to you as Alex. Um, shall we crack on, mate? To set the scene of the pod, Alex, you were quite keen to start at the end, if that makes sense, which is by looking back at the year we've just left, which is 2019. When we were kind of talking about the running order for this pod it was a bit of a while ago which kind of feels you know an absolute eternity ago now because of coronavirus but shall we talk a little bit about 2020 as well as 2019 and and why you wanted to sort of reflect on it if that makes sense I guess sometimes you have to part of me when I wanted to talk about it was you have to kind of take stock of kind of where you are what you what you what your emotions are where, where you are in I guess life sometimes and just just try and understand what you want to do and what you want to get out of it because 
I came out of 2019 maybe not feeling great about myself. I'd ha- I was coming up to my operation for my knee, out of a relationship, just not feeling myself. But in a good way, I sort of, I kind of took a, took a step back and looked at myself and just went, I can't obviously let this continue. What kind of steps can I take personally to get to that, like, that happier place or that, that, that better place mentally? But I know as soon as 2020 kicked off, I remember going for my operation and they were like, how are you feeling? I'm like, I'm good. I'm ready for this. Like I was, I mean, I'd known about it for months and months. So I was kind of prepared. Our mate Dylan had had his and been really helpful and kind of speaking to him and understanding what he had, he'd gone through and just having that, that support. That was great. And yeah, it just kind of helped kind of kick off the year. Work was supportive as well. Gave me time off to kind of recover. My mum was great as well, looking after me. So big up Val. Yep. Shout out to mum. But I mean, no, it's, I think I I talked about to you about having sort of goals and objectives, not kind of definitively, and I didn't want to put any time scale on them, but I said to you about, I wanted to do 20 things in 2020 as as a sort of, just to give me like a little targets and little things to kind of work on both kind of personally, professionally and, and sort of in my life. So that that just kind of as well helped to make sure that I didn't continue in the in the vein that I was and mm. and made sure I can kind of push into twenty twenty in, in the right frame of mind. Do you want to pick out a couple of those from the list? Uh some of them are the so ones that stick out maybe. Some of them are so random. It's like some of them were like be able to run a five K again or play football again. Some of them were to even just see family members. Like got a couple of family in, in North England that we kind of don't see as much, but that was something that I, I just wanted to make sure that I, I got round to and seeing them saving some money, just maybe doing some more of my boring accounting exams, but you know, they needed to be done and I'd put them off, but passed one the other day. So, you know, we're going, we're going well with that. But yeah, it was just, I, I guess I took a step back and as I say, looked at my, looked at like areas that I could maybe improve on a, across the board. It just, you know, stuff, I, stuff I'd, I'd always said to my friends that I want to do or family or things like that go on a holiday things like that and just things to look forward to as well Mm. that does kind of give you anyone you speak to that has something to look forward to does talk about it a lot and has that kind of mental positivity about like oh I can't wait to go on holiday Mm. I can't wait I'm doing this I'm having time off we were supposed to go on holiday weren't we we? we and that that went kaput didn't it I mean it's I looked at the list the other day actually because I guess we're halfway through the year I'm not putting pressure to sort of finish anything sometimes I think we all do it we all talk about our kind of say dreams and achievements but like it's just good sometimes to I guess like actually put it on paper and and give yourself some some targets and from a mental health perspective what do you hope this this list will do will it give you sort of extra drive purpose you know maybe a boost to your self-esteem um or just just something to focus on it at the base level well I guess maybe all of the above really I mean I sort of I'm starting to say as I said I kind of probably in 2019 didn't necessarily feel myself around myself and my friends even to a level of just and I think that partly was to do with my like not playing football and just having that exercise that I always had so you lost um, a bit of your identity would you say yeah a bit lost I guess and just un- unsure in myself and well a lot of people have told me I'm not very self-confident in certain areas and mm. just just need that but um, I think as cheesy as it is one of our friends Priya the other day <laughs> We were we were drinking somewhere and she 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 was like, you can't expect anyone to love you if you don't love yourself. And I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of pretty true. Kind of resonated a bit more than I thought it would. I think like I'm now. I think def- she got that from RuPaul. To be fair, probably. She <laughs> probably sounds like that's true. I don't know. Like I just felt a bit lost. I guess in 2019 mm. and then coming into 2020, just wanted to make those those changes to to get back to kind of 
me I guess and and yeah within doing these things and doing things that I guess with myself has helped I mean obviously we'll touch on it in a bit but like my injury was a big big kind of setback for me in terms of I guess across the board physically mentally socially just the impact that had and just something brand new that I had to kind of like deal with but you know we're kind of getting through the back end of that and I mean hopefully I've got an appointment on Thursday with my physio and hopefully I can start running again which then bodes well to kind of get into football again so again just another positive step forward really. Another thing which has been a big part of your life Alex and it's one that we've obviously touched on already in the pod is football and that carries obviously its own positives and negatives so let's just start at the beginning you know how did you get into football and and why do you enjoy playing it I don't know how you get into football it's just when you're younger I mean primary school everyone's playing it you know my mum was a massive Newcastle fan tried to convert me but that's not gonna happen your dad's a Sheffield Wednesday fan yeah so so, yeah you you betrayed both of them yeah (laughs) yeah I mean I don't know if Arsenal's a great choice now but I don't know yeah just playing playing at primary school you just kind of I don't, I mean, I don't think you're really conscious of what you're doing too much half the time, but it was, yeah, just something that stuck, playing hours and hours of FIFA as well, just chatting to friends. Yeah, you just kind of grow with it and it just, then you start playing Saturday football, um, Pete Harkers, met a lot of people there, a lot of people from school went there and it's just kind of grown from that, you know, even within our social circle, we've all played football at various stages at different levels and when lockdown happened and football stopped, I mean felt like a, le- a bit of a blessing to have some free time but you know as soon as it's come back I've probably watched about 80 of the games that have been on TV so I think <laughs> I've missed it a little bit yeah. As we both know football can be such a wonderful tool to stop men and women feeling socially, socially isolated um, you know develop social bonds like you said help people you know keep active however we also both know it can be used as a social hierarchical tool especially in school an exclusionary tool I think particularly by teenagers, I would say. I think primary school, you don't get that as much because it's obviously smaller Mm. schools. Um, But teenage years, certainly. Did you ever feel a pressure to... Maybe not use is the right word, but did you ever feel like pressure to have football as a way of fitting in? And did you ever feel like lucky that you were quite good at it so you could fit in? Well, I don't know if I'm that good. You're better than me, mate. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I mean, I'll take the compliment, but I don't know. Like, I guess... There's obviously some social pressures and things like that, but I think that's also part and parcel of what happens as a teenager, like when you're growing up. Moving into secondary school, there's a lot of learning about society, like social cliques and and how people interact. And yeah, sometimes if you're the best at football, that gets you all the friends and all the, all the plaudits and whatever. But I think as I've got older, you start to kind of take that step back and you just have to be accepting of where you are at a level. So, you know, that does take time and... There obviously would have, I mean, I can't remember exactly, but there will be pressures that you deal with when you're younger, fitting into teams, wanting to try and, you know, impress your mates, whatever. But sometimes, I guess, like, I've always thought it's like a lesson you have to learn and then you have to kind of grow from that. And, you know, you make the mistake or you improve or however it, however it's dealt with. So I guess as well as we, we touched on, like, having a group of friends like we have that have all played football, we all played in the same team, we were all kind of friends outside of that as well. So you didn't have too much of like the, the pressures and you could sort of just get along no matter what was going on. Let's fast forward to football in your adult life. You are still a play member of Mably Mavericks, the team that Vent sponsors. Yeah. Um, hopefully coming back to full fitness soon. 
you want to just tell me how you joined Mably and, and maybe why? I actually played men's football pre-uni. I played for a team called Renaissance, who were a great group of guys that kind of helped me out. It was for about, I think it was for a year. And that was the first time I had that sort of step into adult football. It was pretty kind of a nice casual thing. I'd go to the pub after games and stuff like that. And that, that really showed me a different side of it. But then kind of football fell off at uni a little bit, a bit more five-a-side and whatever. But then coming into post sort of uni and working days we just never there was never really the, the Mably I think we'd known about it but I didn't join and then I was living in Borough for a bit I did see all of the boys playing and I think that was something that I missed you know having that connection having that sort of team camaraderie and as soon as I joined I'd already known Frank the coach and and a few of the boys so coming in everyone was really 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 supportive got to know a lot of new people and again it's kind of the social aspect of it playing football training and playing matches on Sunday. It was something that I think I wanted to, to get involved in again, because I guess from you have those memories from when you were younger, and that's kind of stuff, stuff you want to replicate. So that's that's kind of where Mably was for me. We've had head coach of uh, Mably, Big Frank Kane, absolute legend, and Connor Fielder on the pod, who talks about the impact that Mably gave them from a mental health perspective. You know, what, what does it help? How does it help you and your mental health? I have always played football of some sorts whether it's five aside seven aside saturday football with you know power league or or so, like sunday playing playing on the marshes i didn't realize till i got injured until i missed it how much of a like impact it had in my life of the sort of the social the social side of you know seeing your friends seeing other people that aren't family and close friends and whatever but then also like the mental escape of it like you well I run around like a headless chicken for an hour but you just forget about everything else and you just blow off so much steam mentality sometimes you you wouldn't enjoy it as much but like ultimately you just can push everything that you're thinking about aside and you can just really just focus on what you're doing in the current moment and being injured I think that was quite a big loss for me because as I say like I don't know 2019 was was all right but it wasn't my best year for me personally sometimes you need that balance you know if you're having a down day you need that time to sort of like focus on yourself and I probably should have maybe tried to find something else to do in in the meantime but that socially was and physically was a great thing for me and then mentally and I think that's the other thing physically because I played football three times a week you know I've tried to join a gym like everyone about 10 times I just don't go physically it was always a good thing for me football just running and just and just getting out there so mm. that I think was another sort of downturn for me. Do you want to just talk about the injury now? Because you obviously have referenced and alluded to it um, already, but mm. it was obviously quite serious that you had to have an operation on it. Do you want to just tell me a bit how it happened, the extent of it, you know, how it impacted your mobility and then also your mental health? RIP my left knee. So it's kind of frustrating more because I had conversations with Frank and I'd been starting to kind of play a bit more for Mably, you know, getting in the team. And I think I'd played in the semi-final and whatever. A few of us were playing five-a-side down in Brixton the week before our cup final. Thinking about it now, I don't, I don't know, did I not warm up properly? Did I try and... Do but I think I just, I basically turned too sharply on my knee. Body weight goes one way, knee goes the other. You hear the pop, that's it. You're down. Yeah, I shouldn't laugh about it now, but it was... At the time, it's pretty painful, but I was trying to just say, get the adrenaline off as well. But yeah, so that happened in May 2019. Yeah, and then you just, you know, you miss out on the cup final. I guess you have the summer break. I was going for physio didn't really get diagnosed properly and then by the time I finally got knew that I tore my ACL 
was like October, November time. And then it's just a matter of like organizing the operation. <laughs> they did want to do it on like the 23rd of December. And I was like, I'm not having that. Like <laughs> I need, <laughs> I need my Christmas. I need my Christmas to make sure I can get through this. It was, it was frustrating and it is a long road back and they do break it up nicely in terms of different stages you go through and things like that. And you do have, I've had a lot of support both from like my physio team and friends and family and stuff everyone's been really supportive so it's it's made it a, the journey a lot easier but I think as I say one of the things I would like to do by the end of 2020 is be able to kick a football and run around a bit yeah and sometimes you just have to accept that these things happen and it's just it's just about how you can deal with it going mm. forward during lockdown you you try to stay on top of your you know physical recovery if that makes sense um yeah. cycling's been a quite big thing for you you know do you want to just talk about how you've tried to fast track your recovery maybe or just or just make sure that you're in a, a good place when you're coming out of lockdown to yeah. to keep your recovery going followed all the lockdown trends haven't i <laughs> no I, I, yeah i think cycling is one that they definitely recommended obviously low impact for the knee and just something that you can build up a bit of stamina for i had a bike from years ago as well but i think it was good to just get out as well like being in lockdown the cabin fever is insane sometimes and it's very good to just get out and just clear your head a bit yeah the cycling has been recommended it was something that i was doing would would have needed to do anyway but just being in lockdown obviously has has helped as well it's kind of like when you've seen Premier League footballers when they they weren't going to make the end of the season and now some of them like Kane and Torreira and whoever are now actually playing in the final few games so it's been good I think I obviously need to kind of adapt it and make sure that I'm constantly pushing my body rather than just getting set to a certain level but that that will come once I get this kind of approval to to run couch to 5k as my mum keeps telling me to do but cycling's been it's been good cycle to work as well that's gonna that's gonna help and save me some money hopefully we both know you're quite an outgoing person alex and you're probably the closest extrovert to me in our group if that's if that can if that can be described did you ever feel pressure to kind of go out and maybe put pressure on your injury to the detriment of it you know if you were on crutches did you ever feel like oh people are going out so i want to go out did you ever get that fear of missing out because you weren't as mobile yeah fomo is a real thing that people deal with but i did i did have a couple occasions at the start where i think it was our friend rebecca's birthday was the first time i came out but again obviously it's just not recommended it's just not ideal to drink on crutches so that's good but as well it's just physically you're so tired from it like i think that's one thing that people might underestimate if they ever have it just how tired you can be from doing so little it feels sometimes but you know it's, it's part of the process as well you have to kind of take it on the chin I feel and it's about how you deal with it I mean people all the friends were really supportive people came around spent time with me were helping me out you know just also kind of adapting to what what I needed and I think that really helped me as well because being at home sitting in my bedroom for however many hours a day like when you can break that and and come and speak to your friends is is really really good even then later on I think it was mine and Alex's birthday or hens and um we went out in March and we were I was just off crutches but again I couldn't really last the whole night and I didn't want to go out after because I just had the fear of obviously someone knocking into me but again some of this stuff it's about mentally just taking it on the chin I felt and just saying 
you know what? It's not worth the risk as well. You're going to have a birthday next year, go out next year. Like, or, you know, there's going to be, well, I thought there was going to be later on occasion. You, you do, you do obviously miss out. And I think I was actually chatting to Rebecca and Priya about this the other day that there's been times that I have actually missed out on, on things <laughs> in the first few months when I was on crutches and whatever. And then we had lockdown. So I haven't really been out, out as people say, for, for a while. So, you know, I've seen, I've seen, I've obviously used to work at ministry and I still have a few friends from that role. And I've seen people talking about the government schemes and, you know, they're, they're not giving money to nightclubs and stuff like that. And it's, it's sad because that's a lot of people, A, it's their life work and B, it does give people enjoyment, time to socialise and spend time with friends and, and, and really meet new people as well. So I guess coming back to it, whenever people go out and kind of blow off steam, I guess, I think sometimes people underestimate how much people need that as well. The relationship between mental health and long-term injury, I don't think is really spoken about in or enough in the national conversation. I think it's beginning to be spoken about in professional sport, but I really don't think it's spoken about in amateur sport. And that's obviously something that you've gone through. Mm. Is that something you'd agree with? And and how do you think this long-term injury has affected you and your mental health? And, And perhaps have you seen or heard from other people having similar experiences to you? I guess the main thing mentally I'd say is, is that, that kind of challenge to yourself of how do you feel and how are you ready I guess and you know there's even times I'll just be walking up the stairs and I'll feel my knee and I'm just like oh like you know is this is this okay second guessing yourself yeah you do you do but as I say my like our good good friend Dylan has been through this injury so I mean I've, I've it's obviously a privilege well I don't think he would say it but like it's a privilege to have someone who's been through the situation so you can actually I guess like mentally unload on them all these kind of queries and questions you're having and it, it does it does obviously bode well to, you know, these are the steps I took, this is how I felt at this time and how you can kind of deal with it both physically and mentally. So for me, it's more, we'll kind of take it step by step and see how I go. But, you know, it could be a big knock if, if they turn around and like, oh no, you can't really run again. And then it's like, you can't play football again. Like, how do I deal with that? But I haven't really thought of it like that. And I'm just sort of trying to, as I say, take it step by step. But yeah, mentally it can probably be a big, a big impact for a lot of people because we used to joke that one well it's not a joke but one of our guys in the Sunday league would be like if there's a big tackle and be like oh people gotta to go to work tomorrow and it's like yeah you kind of forget about that situation sometimes when you're playing football or like if there's a big challenge or there's there's fights going on or whatever because that is true that like it's not the be all and end all is, is Sunday league but you have to kind of self-manage and you have to understand what you can push yourself to as a limit. And there's someone else I know who had done the ACL and they said they just stopped playing competitive football and would only play with their friends. It's kind of obviously a sad situation, but I think it's one that I've realised as you get older, people's needs and wants change and, and what they are capable of doing, what they want to do. So you just have to kind of accept and just deal with it yourself and what you want to get out of it the most. I think that's the main thing is to take a step back and say what because there's there's professional footballers who play with no ACL and and you know Ledley King was known for not having any never trained oh, never, never trained Obviously, I'm not that level but like yeah it's 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 all more of a personal preference and and how you where you want to go to and if what steps you can take to get there mm. what do you think you've learned about yourself during this period uh, I can be annoying um <laughs> we, uh, we already no, knew that mate no um <laughs> It's probably, I don't know if it's calmed me down well, a little bit. It's just, it's, it does take a lot of patience and a lot of, and you, you, do, you do take a step back and start to kind of think about other things. And I think you kind of realise, 
I can't say enough how much my mum helped me in that first like few weeks. It just, you know, taking time off work, just making sure that I was okay, feeding me. <laughs> it's like, but she loved it. I mean, she'll she'll say she loved it. But it's it's been it's been a big change, as I say. I think whenever I played football, I was playing three times a week. So to go from that to nothing was a big shock and it's adapting to that and I think in a weird way I've finally adapted to it but obviously I'm hoping to get back to some sort of of interaction with it and and even to a level I've, I've I did think the other day that if it comes to it if I can't play do I maybe or can I only play once every few weeks or whatever and just but I'd still like to go back for that social aspect for the training bit if I can and and just try and physically and mentally get there so that's that's sort of where I'm at. And just finally, mate, if there's anyone listening to this pod who might have gone through a long-term injury themselves or might be struggling and it's had, it's having an, an effect on their mental health, what advice would you give them from your experience? The one thing I'd say for me is everyone is in a different situation and you need to, I think, first of all, you need to understand your own situation and maybe probably take a step back and realise what support and what, what, what capabilities you have and what you want to get to. And what you need to accept, what you might get to as well. You know, like, as I say, there might be a chance I might never play. And it's just understanding that as well. You know, if there is anyone who has been injured or whatever, if they want to reach out to me or if they're about to have an operation, they can they can ask me and I can try and guide them. I did go on YouTube a couple of times and look at, like, random videos and stuff. Some of them are a bit grim. But ultimately, it's, I guess it's just trying to maybe break it up into smaller pieces you'd be surprised as well like whenever I've reached out to a couple people you well you obviously you need to know who you feel like sometimes it's who you can reach out to but I guess having as I mentioned Dylan before and there's a couple other people I know who've had operations they these people have all had the same thoughts that I've had you might think they don't but they have like everything you thought how's the operation what's going to happen here what if this goes wrong how do I do it afterwards can I bend my knee what what's going on here can I put weight in it what what happens if someone nudge all of these little random thoughts I've definitely had and you either have your own experiences with them you either speak to people you read about them and you, and you just try to I guess calm yourself to a level of of understanding and accept acceptance I guess yeah if anyone is struggling with an injury or or whatever the hardest thing you can do is keep it within yourself and also what I'd say is people will know as well maybe not to like a certain level but if you can people can see people do watch other people and you can see other people struggling sometimes or but obviously it's they they might not know how to approach you either so one thing I found I guess as well that probably helped me is um like quite fortunate that at work we've got vitality like health cover sort of situation but I found on the phone before I've been like chatting to one of them and I've just sort of randomly gone off on a tangent because you're speaking to someone who I guess you feel like you're never going to speak to them again so you can sort of say what you want to say get it off your chest and then you're done so sometimes you know there are those helplines out there and things like that but again even if someone was random messaged me I'd happily kind of speak them through what I've what I've been through and what what I can advise you said earlier, mate, that you felt like you had lost a bit of yourself or you felt lost during this injury. Do you want to just tell me a bit about why you felt that way? And also, I guess for a lot of people who are very into sport, if they lose that and it's the, the core of their identity, that might be a reason. 
Do you want to just tell me a bit about that and maybe why for people who do play sport both professionally and amateur it's important to have kind of other things in their life so sport doesn't become the the sole focus it just becomes something that helps them and they enjoy. As I say I think where we touched on it from the start I've played football for so long or been playing football video games or whatever but when you grow older you kind of obviously take that step away from from playing the games as much and then you I've met so so many good people and so many like so many good footballers as well and just played with them from five aside to 11 aside and whatever but when you strip that back and that is someone's three times a week that's talk about going out like that is kind of going out for me as well a little bit socializing meeting these people when you're injured it's just never the same you can you can go to football training you can go and say hello to people but you know it's just not the same I, I went once or twice and you're just not as involved and it is it's a bit of a sort of watching like a kind of like ghost like watching a step of what you would be involved in just feeling a bit like that's what I want to be doing you're not contributing you don't you yeah, get that you fear know, of missing out yeah yeah, yeah you kind of you know no value add or whatever but I think again it's just it's just more it was such a big part of my life that to kind of strip that back was a bit like what the hell do I do now I don't really I was like oh my god like I think I was going out and whatever but you don't then have that other release of exercising to kind of take off all the drinking or whatever else and just it, it it's kind of having that balance in life and I guess maybe it just tipped over a little bit into into the negative and just start to kind of really not feel comfortable or just kind of accepting of where I was and again it's, sometimes it's it's a process it's knowing that the operation is going to happen and, and whatnot but it's still quite a long road and even now there are some times where it's just like oh like this is this is this is long <laughs> but I'm, I'm feeling better now about it all and you kind of I'm a bit more self-supportive as well and feeling I can do things that I want to do myself. I think that was the other thing as well, post-op as well. There was quite a, a reliance on people and I've probably not, well, to a level, but not had that as much as when I was younger. You know, I moved out when I was like 21 or whatever and have lived in different places. I've, I've like, seen my family a lot, but I've always felt kind of self-sufficient. So to, to come, come and scale it back, it was great to spend some time with my family, but you just... Did you feel a bit infantilized? Um, or emasculated maybe it was more just I've always like I get enjoyment out of helping other people a lot and just just to see other people be happy does make me happy so to then not be able to maybe do that or that the the attention's on me I remember there's a girl at work Natalie who was trying to give me a compliment and I just couldn't take it I was just like I'm just bad at that I don't know I just I, I'd prefer to just help other people but yeah it just the injury just obviously put more focus on myself people coming around and being supportive and it was it not that people aren't supportive anyway but I just obviously couldn't give back in the same way that I wanted to but you just have to accept that sometimes you've got these great families and friends around you that can support you and it's not something to take as patronizing or emasculating or anything like that you just have to you have to kind of think that it's just about giving back as well We talked about Alex, the football player. We talked about looking back at 2019, 2020. Let's go into your journey in a little bit more detail, mate. So do you want to just firstly tell me a bit about 
you know, your early life, your upbringing, your teenage years. And looking back, were there any early mental health experiences you can pinpoint? You know, who's the Alex we meet here? Is this before Bartlett and before Party Bart? God, so many, so many nicknames over the years. It's, I just kind of just accept what anyone shouts at me, really. I guess, like, there was, growing up, it was fine. Like, you know, there was nothing really that, that triggered me or anything like that mentally. Mum and dad were great. Two, two older sisters that were really supportive and helpful. Had my grandma around a lot as well. And then would go and see family, family holiday. So like nothing too much really early years. There was never that. And then I guess teenage years when you start to go to school, getting a few relationships and things like that. That's more when I probably started to learn about mental health. It was more the you learn more about the emotion rather than, I guess, mental health. I, th- I feel like mental health I've learned more about in the last few years because understood what it meant more to a level and, and how what the overall impact is. Whereas thinking back to it now, you know, go through relationships, go through breakups and things like that. And it is it's stressful. It's a lot of a lot of different feelings and, and emotions that go through your head. But I think ultimately, sometimes, as I say, I've said before, you need to kind of learn from these things. And that's what I've tried to do each time, whether I've actually done that, I don't know. <laughs> But I think the first time of probably, I remember like mentally being a bit just, just unsure or like not even unsure, just like feeling it was when, I think when my grandma died and then just, I didn't really know how to process it. And then I remember just being like, you know, I could see my mum was so upset and the, and, and my sisters. So it was your mum's mum? It's my mum's mum, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I don't know if that's true, but I feel like I remember I tried to force myself to cry at some point just to kind of feel feel it but then I remember getting to the funeral and sitting down and I think me and my sisters had to read like a poem or something and I just I just couldn't I just couldn't control myself I was like that's it it was gone but you're surrounded by family and friends so you obviously were supported at the time and I remember I think my sister said like as soon as you went that was the trigger but I think mentally that was that was quite a big and I think it was the first like loss as well so you start to kind of feel like oh we're not going to go to Newcastle anymore we're not going to go and see her she's not going to come down for Christmas for birthdays she's not going to get that card in the post where she would write my cousin's name Adam instead of my name and stuff it's the one thing I think my mum has done very well for us as well is you know we've always kind of touched on it in bits and you know we will we have a lot of fond memories that we'll always bring up and and cherish as a family so that's definitely something that's that's there do you think grief is more stigmatized than mental health mate i don't know i think grief i've seen people deal with some absolutely horrific things in their life and i think that was another thing i mean i I don't want to touch on it too much for their purpose maybe but I've seen people go through a lot of bad things and I think at the time maybe even now thinking about it I just I couldn't wrap my head around exactly the emotions and the feelings that these people had and I've always tried to be supportive I've always tried to be there for people to help them but when you can't do that as well or you're not sure what you need to do that was definitely kind of felt a bit useless in in parts but I got told that I was doing the right thing, but sometimes you just felt like, do I need to do more? Do I not? But grief is definitely, as I say, it's it's difficult to really kind of put it into some sort of form because when people have grief about, say, say someone has has passed away, it's it's, it's all about the individual to the connection Mm -hmm. and like, have they had that connection with that person? How long have they known them? What are the the memories and things that they've had? And, And maybe even sort of the age that person's at, because as I say, I think there's definitely different things mentally I have now to when 
I was younger. As we get nearer to university now, who's the Alex that we meet here? Is it someone ready for university, would you say? Or do you think you were like me, just completely unprepared? Oh, I was ready. I'm, I'm going out. I was drinking. I was, I was ready. Uh, no, I, uh, I loved uni. It was such a weird and wonderful time. Like, I went to uni in Manchester and I met so many random people. And like, even now, still people I'm really good friends with and appreciate that and, and I can reach out to. Went on some wild nights, spent a lot of time as most uni students do, not doing much. But it was great to kind of, that was the first obviously experience of being away from home and just kind of venturing on your, by yourself and just, and learning. And then, you know, you, you get close to these people, you spend so much time with them and you do share a lot of emotions and a lot of whatever with, with these people. So it was good as well to just kind of get to know new people and see different sides of people from different cultures and backgrounds. I, d- I definitely feel like uni was a, a positive experience for me. We've alluded to it on the pod, but your reputation as party bar in our in our group is certainly well known and probably in the, the school network that we grew up in retired now <laughs> when when you got to uni and i guess to a certain extent in adult life now have you ever felt a pressure to play up to it at certain times or has it ever become a problem or you know in in, in, a, in a in a you know worst case scenario even consume you consume you the bad answer is no i've never really thought of it like that i think sometimes i just got excited a lot and as i say it's the first time you're away from home you can, you can like legally drink you're going out you're meeting all these new people and i was just I think it was just having a bit of a wild time. But I, I guess that kind of continued even when I came back working and, and stuff like that. But I feel like I've calmed down a bit more now. Not as party as I used to be. So that's that's unfortunate. But no, I think it, as I mentioned before, it's like a good way to blow off steam sometimes, you know. Just socialise with people and, and get out there and see what they're doing in their life and just catch up and and just spend some time with friends and you know it was it, that's what I really enjoyed as well you know meeting these new people and, and having that new experience being at uni away from home really sort of bought that home. As an adult when you sort of left uni you started to, to, to carve out your own path what were some of the challenges that you faced from a mental health perspective and just just general life I guess? I don't know if I had too many to be honest as like mental health challenges it was more I guess you come out of uni and everyone's a bit unsure of what they're doing and where they are but I mean I went into a job within six months or so I'd like moved into a flat with some friends renting and I guess the main thing now thinking back to it more that you learn is there's just so much more you think you know stuff and then it completely obviously gets washed away to learn about how people operate in a working environment about me meeting people of different ages and things like that and I think that's one thing now onto like my third job that's one thing I've probably taken away a lot is to understand the mentality you need and to understand the different characters you get and 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 things like that what place is a scary place mate it's a lot of a lot of pc things uh, <laughs> Ex- extroverts like me did not do well in the first couple of years i'll tell you that much yeah well i mean where i worked we were all like we we're all pretty social yeah yours was a bit unique <laughs> yeah i guess for people who who don't know me who might listen to this if they do is I worked at Ministry of Sound coming out of uni and there's probably, what what year was that? 2015, maybe? Yeah, and this was before 
they sold part of the business to Sony, but oh, I met some amazing people there. Work-wise within my team, there's a lot that I got taught across from managers, from sort of like sub-managers. And then just met a lot of people that were similar to me, which was really, really good and helped me settle in. And the social life was insane. Like there's still a lot of us that look back at that now and just think like that was that was a good time. You know, that that's, that's the point that I think I got to where the social probably took over the work life of it and I needed to really refocus a bit so then even moving on to like Wasserman that was this is an events company that was good and brought its own challenges bigger company different sort of style team but you just learn from different there was definitely a few characters there and just to how to adapt to the workplace and and I did go through some pretty down times there and did question what I'm doing but I've kind of taken it now as like that's a lesson that I've learned and trying to take some positives out of it so but yeah like I'm happy where I am now and just so I work at Beavertown Brewery for anyone that doesn't know and been there for coming up to two years at the start of August and yeah it's definitely got a great manager good team and feel comfortable and I think that's that's what people probably sometimes don't know is that I remember like when I changed job I think the second time my mum's there like oh you know some people you know if you're changing job a lot but also there's I've, I've seen other things where you the can. best people move around mate that's what I'd say <laughs> but you can you can change job and I think you need to obviously come out and find out what qualities you like what you enjoy and also being in the team helps a few of us have touched on it at work before where you spend nearly like a third of your life at work so you just got to make sure that you've got the right people around you and just finally on this topic Alex looking forward to 2020 now obviously this has been quite a shit year but how do you plan to you know improve yourself I guess from a mental health perspective you know you've obviously talked about kind of getting better at managing emotions and we'll, we'll talk about that a bit more in the in the next topic but you know how do you plan to grow and, and how do you plan to kind of self-improve I guess as well you can't really put too much onto it in terms of you need to do this to get to this level it's all just kind of a how you feel within yourself and I, I'm I'm feeling a lot better a lot more kind of I guess relaxed as well I feel which is probably a good thing like I don't feel as uptight or just kind of concerned and, and things like that as I was at, at the start of last at, well at the end of last year why was that mate do you think that was a pressure or insecurity or was it kind of a um a feeling like you were wary of the reaction of others if that makes sense i was probably a bit insecure and just as i say about the self-confidence was pretty low physically i felt i don't know i guess physically i was like i felt i was overweight i just mentally wasn't in a good place wasn't really sure what i was doing and just felt uncertain as i touched on it was good to sort of then try and how can i get out of this and I think that that's probably one of the first stages is to kind of the acceptance that you're there and then to understand what you need to do personally to do this and then is that something you need to do or people around you I've obviously mentioned that list I've got there's still probably a couple things that I could tick off and I haven't actually seen my family yet that I wanted to. So that's something that I probably want to do at the back end of this year. And that's another sort of step. It's just, yeah, just kind of continue down this path. Playing football would be good. And just get into a stage where I remember I'd go and see my friends and I would just they'd say, how are you? And I'd be like, oh, just I'd be sighing. I'd be like uncertain. But now I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. How's things with you? I'm doing more as well, I feel. And I'm just kind of getting out and, well, doing as much as I can. So the more you have to like talk about with yourself and the things that you're doing you you can discuss that and that brings its own emotions with it 
our final topic of conversation, Alex, and it's one I try and have with all my special guests, which is a general natter about our mental health. So firstly, how would you say your mental health is at the moment, mate? Yeah, it's pretty good, I'd say. Feeling pretty positive. I think as well, I'm not goal-orientated at the moment, but I've, I've got things and targets to achieve. And I think when you've got that sort of focus in life, that does that does bode well for you mentally sometimes. I mean, obviously, if, if things don't start to go that way, that's when you can start to kind of recluse a bit or just not, not be certain. But ultimately, while you've got that target, it's good to sort of something something to aim for and something to, something to be positive towards. And if you feel comfortable saying, what mental health issues or conditions, if any, do you live with and how do they affect you in your day-to-day life nothing nothing that i've been sort of diagnosed with but i think it's just more about that like self-certainty and, and being positive i think i spent a lot of time last few years alone and just being by myself and just having to sort of adapt to, to the situation and there has been some some tough times and times where i felt uncertain and just just not really sure what what I'm doing but there's also times when I guess sometimes like you can kind of drift through as well and you don't it takes certain times for you to look back or look forward to think about how how things have been going so ultimately like as I say I think 2020 has been pretty positive so far for what I've what I've tried to get to and definitely an improvement so and that's that's all you can kind of hope for. And what things do you find in life that might trigger your mental health? So it could be things people might say, sounds, sensations. I guess one example could be, you know, if you were in a really bad place with your injury, it could be people calling you a sick note or something like that. You know, what triggers can you tell me or have you not figured all of them out yet? I get triggered by some films and TVs sometimes with like emotional times. I don't know what it does. It just gets to me sometimes. But I think it's more, I guess, especially during lockdown, if I've not been out the house for a while and whatever I can can really get on top of myself and just and then you start to kind of just question a few things and just feel uncertain and and I think that bodes back to sort of my injury and things like that that it's more the mental health aspect of doing exercise is probably something that it's there sometimes when people talk about sport as like an underlying thing and it's not brought to the the forefront of reasoning to do sport but I think, again, people obviously need to be careful about how they do it because you can't turn around and say, oh, if you run around for 30 minutes, your mental health will improve by X. Like, that's not really how it goes. Like, people can still finish their exercise and then go straight back into the sort of mood they are. But there are obviously ways that different ways that people can deal with stuff. So I think you just have to find what works for you and understand. I think as well, one thing that people probably need to do more is understand their triggers is it you need to leave the house? Is it you need to do exercise? Are you eating enough? Are you are you sleeping enough? Are you are you speaking to the right people? Are you well? Are you, are you going out too much? Are you drinking too much? Whatever else. Like I think there was a stage like when I lived in Borough a couple of years ago and I wasn't really enjoying work and everyone I knew was either like back back in East London or whatever and I just felt a bit alone and just a bit sort of unsure what I was doing and just just sort of drift through the the weeks and whatever and it was just but then it's understanding the triggers that you know I could go out on a Friday and drink but like that's is was that really helping me was I with the right people was I not so 
again, you try and learn from the situations. If you understand your triggers, you can understand how to kind of avoid or to deal with them. But you have to go through that. And I think it does help you as a person because if you don't deal with, if you don't have these sort of incidents, I guess, or, or thought process, you can maybe not know how to deal with it when it comes. And I guess it's, you don't want people to go through bad experiences, but like everyone, I feel, will have some sort of experience. You know, I think the one thing I always thought about was when people say, oh, there's always like skeletons in people's closets and whatever and I think people can also probably take that more as like you can look at people on Instagram you can look at people in real life on driving down the road in a car or whatever but everyone has been through something of some sort and they've all dealt with it in different ways and that's that's fine and you have to deal with it the way that works for you but that obviously can take time to understand that and what tools and methods do you use in your own life to improve your mental health? You know, which ones have you found that have worked and maybe which ones that haven't? Well, I guess as a I say, exercise is probably a big one for me. Definitely, definitely been a big one actually thinking about it now. Like whenever I had my operation and I was sitting at home and I couldn't even had to like crawl to the toilet or whatever they gave me a couple exercises to do three times a day and and doing them like once you finish them you feel better you feel you kind of get that release maybe that's what needs to be mentioned more is the science of stuff that gets released and and how that can improve you not to like a percentage but just what it does for you but yeah like exercise was a big one I think it's well just kind of understanding myself and taking that stock of where I'm at in life and things that maybe like I love I love to chat about what I could do but I think putting it on paper maybe gave me that bit more of a all right you've said these 20 things let's let's get going you know you've said you've said it to all your friends not to then put the pressure of the friends asking where, where I was on the list but it also just meant that these weren't things that like throwaway comments that I was just making and these were things that I wanted to do myself anyway so if someone turned around to me and said how's things going with what you're doing for 2020 and it's like oh well this is the stuff that I've done this is what I want to do and it just allows you to kind of maybe get that support you need or understand what you want to do. And maybe just even think, put a year calendar up in my room. I started to try and like plan out when I was going to do stuff because that's also the person I am. But again, coronavirus threw that all out. But that's fine. And like that's that's just adapting with it and just understanding where you are. And if I complete two things out of it, fine. Great. Well done. You've actually you've, you've done those if you do all 20, amazing, well done. It's, it's not a difference, like, you just need to do what you've done. And then at the end of 2020, you can take a look back and be like, you can just be happy with your achievements and, and then just carry that that sort of attitude into 2021. Off air, you spoke to me about how you had begun to manage your emotions better. And I think this is something that you've probably had to deal with during the, the during the injury mm. and also managing your emotions in supporting other people if you could just talk to me a bit about that and what that's entailed in as, as much or as little detail as you want well yeah like I've had I've had a couple of relationships that have been kind of a couple years so I've got to know them their family their friends and you really do get to I think I did enjoy being in relationships and you do really get to know someone else there's a lot of emotion and connection you have with these people so a lot of time as well and you do understand how these people sort of think and and, and adapt and it's obviously quite sad sometimes when you then break up and you can you just feel like that that connection can go but in that time you yeah you support each other through kind of positives and negatives you have you have some great times together you go out you see things you do things but then obviously you see people at their lows as well and that I think is something that is is always a new experience to to try and understand that and I guess as I mentioned obviously everyone's got different experience of different things so you can't compare it at all and I think that's that's probably the thing that I 
maybe struggled with to understand at, the, at that age thinking about it now is that how I can help and I probably just I wanted to help but I didn't know how to and you've got to understand that sometimes people just want you to be there like people just want you there when the times are the worst and mm. and if you don't show up that's when it hurts the most but ultimately you know I, I was always there I was always trying to be supportive and 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 try to say the right thing whether I did or not I, that's that's for the, the other person to say but I'd hope that everything I did was was right and that everyone felt supported and that I can take that away and and bring that into any sort of next relationship that I have. I think that's probably played on my mind a little bit about do I when I have a next relationship and what what I do because have you ever think it if that makes sense? Yeah, I mean like I do and sometimes I, I guess I'd put myself as I say I've, it's about that that self-confidence and put yourself down and, a bit more do you think? Yeah, but I think as well what I know in relationships as well is that obviously you do open yourself up quite a lot and I guess the times then when things don't work out for whatever reason it may be you have to kind of understand that but it does probably make it a bit harder the next time to sort of open up as much as possible and I think I found that last time but sometimes sometimes that can just be down to the connection you have with the person about about understanding that and I don't think it's something that should be forced is if it's something that's natural that comes between friends family whatever if you, if you if you can speak to someone I think that's the thing as well like if you can speak to someone about a certain topic but you might not be able to speak to someone else and that's fine that's accepted and you just need to know in yourself what you've what you're comfortable with because you shouldn't really force yourself to have a conversation with someone just because you're feeling a certain way like it, it should be more natural I hear you I think it is important to have conversations even when they are uncomfortable though and I think that's one thing I'd probably say mm. as, as a social group mate I think it's it was probably me who made or I guess kick-started the uh, maybe not awareness because I think maybe people were already aware of it in some point but maybe made conversations more open I think about mental health do you think that you've gotten better as the years have gone on you know prior to me to me coming out about my mental health and and after it in supporting the boys in our group and maybe just other people in your life with their mental health what you've done has been amazing and raised a lot of awareness and I think it's you see it more now as well it's kind of a bit more prevalent in society and there's a lot more out there for people to understand and sort of read about and, and know what's going on and I've seen some like amazing cause even down to sort of like the Black Lives Matter sort of situation there's there's a, a lot of difficult conversations that people are now bringing out which is which is great and I guess for mental health the events you've put on the things that you've spoken about have it does take someone to kind of take that step forward and show themselves in that kind of nakedness and say this is how I felt and this is this is how I've been and again I think it comes back even when I mentioned about like the ACL injury and the questions and the thoughts and people's have that sometimes you you're there like oh like I thought of that as well I've, I've had that sort of similar process but as well I think sometimes it's it's also to understand that not everyone has had that and that comes back to my point of you have to just support people in different ways of different feelings so I feel like mental health has obviously been it is, a, it is an impact on everyone in different in different shapes and forms of how they how they adapt and I maybe haven't had again you can't compare I, I'm not gonna say I haven't had this situation but you just have to try and put yourself in other people have that empathy and understand what people have been through but that again comes with the experience of talking to them about it of, of understanding what's gone on of reading about it and then as you do that you build your own sort of thought process and, and barriers and understandings 
and and you can then bring up whatever happens to you or or how you might need to help in a certain situation toxic masculinity is something we we try and break down a lot on this pod alex for you what would you define as toxic masculinity and how have you seen it impact your life or seen it impact others that you can share with the listeners it's obviously something that's that's brought up a lot and it's probably something that's not been brought up previously so the more it's kind of discussed and talked about the more people can understand how that could impact it it can happen in various forms and various situations from from football to school to wherever to workplace even but I think as a society now people are a lot more understanding of mental health and and understanding how what they say might impact other people and that is something that I think has been has been good and trying to break down that barrier you know you're still going to get people that have a certain thought process and whatever and that they're not going to change and you can try and talk to them about it and that's that's probably the best you can do you I don't think you can ever force an idea down on someone it's you can educate people you need to get them to understand your point of view and if they accept that and they can understand it but they still have the same same thought process then that's fine and that's what you have to kind of walk away from that conversation but I think a lot of people you can be ignorant to to some people trying to explain things and I guess sometimes you can think you're right all the time no matter who you are and it's just understanding that yes you might be right but there's also you know it's an opinion and you need to listen to other people's opinions and there's not necessarily one right way to do something so that helps just to breed different different thought processes and understand that like it's not a food chain there's no there's nothing there it's it's a level playing field and that just because you're good at one thing doesn't make someone bad at it you need to understand that everyone has pros and cons no matter what they do in their life Mm. Positive masculinity is something that we also talk a lot about on this pod, Alex, and there's no right or wrong answer to this, but what do you, would you define as positive masculinity and what examples do you think that a man should exude to be described as positively masculine? So, for example, one guest I had on talked about how a man should be emotionally intelligent and self-confident. You know, what would you describe as, as, as being positively masculine? That's probably some good points there. I think it's emotional intelligence is something that comes with experience and, and understanding. If you want to be positive masculinity, it's just, I, I guess for me, it's acceptance of all and, and, and an understanding of all and knowing that you might act in a certain situation in a certain way or you have certain ideas about certain things, but you need to be able to, if you want to spread your way, to, to explain that in a certain way and also to be understanding of other people that we all have different ideas towards different situations and that's just how we are as a society but that that is something to be positive about is to to understand that and and to promote people to kind of be able to express how they feel at any situation you know no one should feel like if 40 people in the room have one opinion and you have a different one that you can't say what you think you should be able to say what you think and know that you're not going to get degraded for it. You're not going to be turned on. That that's that's fine. And and that I think for me, it's always just the way I've been brought up and 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 understood is that if that's the way you are and that's the way you want to be, that's fine. If that's something I agree with, then great. If it's not, then I'll let you be you, and that's fine. I'm I'm not going to try and change who you are as a person. We can have a conversation about different things and if it's productive then great if it turns into a shouting match then obviously we just need to step away but to be positive you just need to be able to to be open i guess Mm. really as we've entered adulthood as a group of boys do you think you've seen a change in how we engage with each other around mental health i was gonna say the way we engage with each other is still the same when we were like 12 but no i think we have like that comes also with as you grow older there's different things in life you deal with from relationships to moving in together to 
buying houses to dealing with sort of I guess even like family losses and in, in, in stuff like that so I guess the main thing as well touching back on it is the mental health is you've got to understand yourself before you can try and understand other people I think obviously what you've done as well has been amazing and kind of brought the topic more to the forefront I know especially within myself it's not something that I've brought up as much as I probably should have or I don't feel like as a group there's always room for improvement I guess or there's always room to to have the conversation a bit more but again you can't force people to have that conversation that needs to be them to be willing to be open about it you know we've all got different situations going on all in different jobs and lives and whatever so if someone wants to have that conversation with me I'm I'm always willing to do that and it is going to be a difficult conversation you know a lot of emotions can come into it and it can be difficult but I remember there was someone once who said to me that they wanted to talk about it but they didn't want to talk about it right then in that that situation because it made them upset that was fine and I kind of stood stood back and I didn't I didn't I didn't ask any more questions about the situation that was going on with them but ultimately as a group we've we've definitely evolved and there's there's conversations we have more than we used to so I think that's a positive and a step forward and just finally mate what more do you think we have to do to ensure men from all backgrounds whatever sexuality they are feel comfortable and safe in opening up about their mental health it's giving people i say the platform but it's also i guess it is the platform and and the understanding of what mental health can be about i think it's it can't be defined in in a certain way and there's people have mental health maybe for a, a little thing it could be a big thing it could be a constant pressure it can be pressure once a, once a year it can be with a certain maybe family member or whatever but doing things like this definitely helps to to allow people to open up to share experiences and to understand what other people are thinking and again platforms don't have to be stuff just solely like vent it can be on the phone to your friend in you know sitting together in the park wherever down the pub just being able to have a platform of a conversation and understanding that people will understand or will will try to understand what you're going through and I guess ultimately it's putting those sort of support networks in place you know there's there's obviously a lot of charities now that are coming through stuff like this will help as well but sometimes you know people I guess are unsure what they can say or they're not sure whether what they're talking about is mental health and things like that which is probably breaking down that stigma more that mental health isn't just this thing isn't just that thing it can be a multitude of, of different ideas and it might as I say just be something you have thought of once and you want to say uh there was this time when I thought about this situation or whatever and it wasn't it wasn't that good but it's just being able to kind of express that and explain that so the more people can open up the more society can do that the more it will help everyone to kind of have that understanding of how everyone else thinks and and kind of push forward and and make sure that the people that are struggling with mental health don't struggle as much like I'm not saying by having that conversation it's going to fix everything but that it starts the process and it's about improving that that process really Well, I think that's all we've got time for on this episode of the Just Checking In podcast. I want to say a big thank you to one of my best mates, Alex, for being my special guest on this episode's pod, for opening up to me about his mental health for the first time and for checking in with me. As always, thank you to all the vendors who tuned in. Remember, if you've liked what you've heard, please give this a share on all the usual social media channels, tell your friends or work colleagues about it, or feeling very, very generous, write us a review on iTunes. We hope to check in with you again very soon. And remember, it's always okay to vent. <laughs>